All right. <laughs> Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. We, we are left with just uh, two sermons on Philippians. And so today we're just looking at uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 14 until verse 20. And we're looking at the subject of a generous church. A generous church. Philippians chapter 4, verse 14 to verse 20. Let me read from the ESV as we, we look at God's word this morning. This is God's word. Let us hear him. Paul says, It was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I, I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, the fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word. That as we come before you, we know, Father, that you are faithful to speak to us. We pray that you open our hearts, open our minds, affect our thinking, affect our hearts, and change our wills, O God, even as we hear ancient words that are ever true. We pray that you speak to our lives this morning. In Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen. A generous church. You see, teaching on, on giving in the Christian world today is not an easy task. And this is understandable because there's a lot of abuse that is prevalent in this area of, of, of teaching. That when people hear a sermon on giving, their caution antennas are raised. And, and this is not without the reason. I, I guarantee that if you um, switch your television or, or radio to one of the Christian networks, you are more likely to hear about how you need to give, you need to send money, than you are in hearing the gospel. It, it sounds as if, according to these so-called prophets or uh, uh, televangelists, the, the strength of your relationship with God depends on how much money you give to the prophet or to the televangelist. And so whenever people hear a sermon on giving, that their natural response is to roll their eyes and, and switch off, saying, he wants to get himself in our wallets now. Which to some extent is a safe response. Because of the abuses that we see um, in the world around us, especially in the so-called uh, Christian um, world. But even though this is the case, we, we need to realize that the, the Bible presents us with a, a biblical perspective on giving that we should have as Christians. Every Christian, according to the Bible, is to be marked by generosity towards fellow human beings, and, and especially with regards to the progress of the gospel. Paul instructs us in, in Timothy, uh, he instructs Timothy in, in 1 Timothy chapter 6 to charge the rich not to be arrogant, not to set, to set their hopes 
on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides uh, everything we enjoy. And in verse 18, he says this. He says, they are to do good, to be rich in good works. Listen to this, to be generous and to be ready to share. And again, when, when, when the parts of Rome, of the Roman world, were, were struck with, uh, with famine during the, the days of, of Claudius, the Bible says in Acts chapter 11, verse 29, that uh, it says, so, so the, 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 the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And it is clear when you read through the New Testament texts on, on, on giving, that believers were marked by, by a sense of generosity. They were marked by generosity and compassion towards other people. And at the heart of this generosity was an acknowledgement that all the resources they possessed, whether it be their finances or, or houses they lived in, belonged to God. There was an acknowledgement of, of that. They, they saw it um, they, they, they saw all that they had as a generous gift of God. And, and so they were willing to offer it to him in generosity to others. This was the case also with the church in Philippi. When they heard that Paul was arrested in Rome, they, they made their resources available to him in generosity. And in his response to them, we see a, biblical clear, a biblically clear perspective on giving. So I want us to look at this passage and see four characteristics of Christian giving. Four characteristics of Christian giving. Let us go into it. First, we see in verses 14 to verse 16, Christian giving is voluntary. Christian giving is voluntary. Verse 14 to verse 16. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians know yourselves that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Paul here expresses thankfulness for the generosity that the Philippians displayed when they found out that he was imprisoned in Rome. But his words also indicate that it was more than that. that. Their generosity towards him was not displayed only on one occasion when he was imprisoned in Rome. He, he mentions an occasion that he refers to as the beginning of the gospel, which refers to the first time when the gospel was declared in Philippi. He says that that time when he says, he says this, he says, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. So from the day they heard and received the gospel, they were marked by a heart of generosity. They, they entered into fellowship with Paul, desiring to see that, that same gospel that changed them to spread to other parts of the world. And so they continued to support Paul even when he left Macedonia, as verse 16 indicates. So they continued to be behind the work that he was doing financially. It is important to note in the words that Paul uses here that they were not manipulated into giving. They were not manipulated. They were not forced or even threatened with the promises of God's displeasure. They gave with, with open hearts. It, it, was, it was voluntary on their parts. They, 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 they were no other, there were other churches that were there that did not support Paul financially 
And, and, and uh, when, you, when, you, when you are reading Paul's words here, Paul does not blame them for doing that. Nor does he even mention the, the reasons that they did not even support him financially. He does not, he does not blame them or, 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 or promise uh, God's wrath upon them because they did not give. But the Philippian church availed themselves and, and joyously supported the mission of Paul for the cause of the gospel. And scripture is very clear that giving must not be forced. It must not be manipulated. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or, or under compulsion, but for God loves a cheerful giver. I want us to, to even think about that passage. It does not, however, mean that as a Christian, you should refrain from giving, citing as a reason that you are not cheerful in your heart. That the, the reason I'm, I'm not giving is that I'm not cheerful. You see, the basic assumption of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, is that as a Christian, you understand that whatever you have is a generous gift from God. The most important pronoun when referring to your possessions, listen to this, the most important pronoun when referring to your possessions, what you have is not mine, but it is his. Right? The, 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 that is the most important pronoun. It is not mine, but his. And if your mind is shaped by, by that perspective, you won't find it hard to be a cheerful giver. See, not being a cheerful giver is an indication that you do not, you do not view what you have as a gift from God, but as a result of your blood, sweat, and tears. Not even realizing that even that blood, sweat, and tears was a gift from God. Even that ability to work hard to get whatever you have was a gift from God itself. Generosity starts with a humble confession that I own nothing. Everything I have belongs to God. That's where it starts. So Paul shows that Christian giving is characterized by being voluntary. It is not forced. And secondly, the second characteristic of Christian giving is that it is a spiritual investment. It is a spiritual investment. Look at verse 17. Verse 17, Paul says, even in Thessalonica, no, verse 17, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Here Paul wants to make it clear that his goal is not to obtain more gifts from them, as if that is the reason why he was a minister of the gospel. But he says, but I seek the fruit that increases to your benefit. I think one of the fears why people are not generous when it comes to giving is, is a fear of lacking. To, to most people, giving seems ridiculous because it does not benefit them in any way. Unlike investing your money in the bank or you know, investing it somewhere else where there could be a return, giving for the cause of the gospel or to the needy might not result in a financial return. So Paul explains here that the fruit of generosity is much more than gaining financial interest. 
that the Philippians, through their financial support to Paul, were able to participate in the spread of the gospel. So, so that means wherever Paul preached the gospel and whenever he, he went and, and, and people came to Christ, that was the same as if the Philippians were involved in making those disciples. Their giving helped carry the, the great commission from one area to the next. I once had a story a long time ago about a shoemaker who had come to believe in Christ as Lord and Savior of his life. And I'm not sure about the exact details of the story because I had the story a long time ago. So I might present the story or I might retell the story differently. But the point of the story is this, is that this man was filled with joy at the good news that he heard and, and received by, by faith. And, and, and he wanted other people to hear the very same good news. And although he would, he would share the gospel with people in his neighborhood, with his friends and with his family joyously, he, he had a desire for people um, in other countries to, to hear the gospel as well. But the, dile the dilemma was this. He, he knew that he was not gifted to be a missionary. And again, secondly, he, he had no money that he could support missionaries who, who went to other countries. So he came up with a plan to make the toughest possible shoes for missionaries and pastors. That was his plan. And his line of reasoning was this. Wherever this man stepped to preach, he would know that he contributed to the cause of the gospel. Whenever converts are made for Christ, he would share in the joy of their salvation. That when Romans chapter 10 verse 15 is quoted saying, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, he would gladly say, I put shoes on those feet. That is the sense that Paul has when he says, I seek the fruit that increases to your benefit. And I wonder this morning, how are you contributing to the spread of the gospel? How is your personal contribution to the spread of the gospel? Well, you could start by being faithful in your offering. Simply that. Commit to financially support the progress of the gospel here in CBC. That's where we could start. So Paul says giving is first voluntary. Secondly, giving is a spiritual investment. Thirdly, giving is an act of worship. Giving is an, is an act of worship. Look at verse 18. I have received full payment and, and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, the fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Notice how Paul expresses his gratitude to, for their gift. He is eager to show them that it was not only pleasing to him, but it was also pleasing to God. He uses Old Testament imagery of sacrifice. He says, he says the gift was a fragrant offering, a, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. It is without a doubt that generosity pleases God. 
It is an act of worship when we give. When Paul encourages the church in Corinth to continue in their giving for the relief of the saints in Jerusalem, he uses the churches in Macedonia. And think about it this way. Philippi was a district of Macedonia. So Paul uses these churches, including Philippi, as an example to other churches. And, 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 and today, when, when, when we use examples of giving, where do we usually go to? We go to the rich, right? Those who have money and those who give big and those who, who give uh, 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 thousands of of rents and, and even millions and, and use them as the examples, as the, the perfect examples of giving. But Paul does not do that. You know, he, 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 could, he could use churches like Colossae or, or, or Ephesus. He, he could use churches that were, were well-to-do financially, that, that their, their budgets were in, in their millions if we, we, were looked, we were to look at it um, in, in, in the light of today's churches. He, he could use some of those churches, but he, he doesn't go to those churches. He goes to the churches in, in Macedonia, Philippians being one of them. They were not upper class or middle class in terms of their socioeconomic status. They were poor, the poor of the poorest. But even in that, they were marked by a spirit of generosity and compassion. Listen to what Paul says in, in, in 2 Corinthians. I'm just going to read through it. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Listen to how he describes these churches. Let us just listen to his words. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 to 5. Listen to what he says. He says, I want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty, listen to how he explains their socioeconomic status, their extreme poverty, not just poverty, extreme poverty, have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means. As I can testify, be, and beyond their means, of their own accord, they were not forced, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Paul says, let me tell you about these churches. You see, these churches are not what you would say as, you know, well-to-do churches. These churches were in a severe affliction. They were in extreme poverty. And, and they, they made their intentions known to us when they found out about the Christian in Jerusalem. And I tried to stop them. I, I tried to say, guys, no, don't. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. Other churches will take care of this. But they forced us. They, they, they wanted to participate. He uses the word earnestly. They, they begged us earnestly to participate in the relief of the saints. The most important word, when you look at this, what stands out in this account is verse 5. Paul says, but they gave themselves first to the Lord. 
They, they gave themselves first to the Lord. They, they, they were holy and totally given to the Lord. And then, by the will of God to us, they, they worshipped the Lord. They saw it as an act of worship. And I wonder if that is the case with you. Are you, are you given to the Lord and, and, and see that all I have is not mine? It, it, it might be in my name. The, the money in the bank account might be in my name. The house might be in my name. But it belongs to the Lord. It belongs to the Lord. We usually like children. We are, we are like children. You know children. Whenever they are with other kids and there's a toy there and the other kid tries to play with the toy, they, they grab it with all their might and say, it's mine. We have, we have improved that from being childliness or childlike. We took it into the adult zone now. And whatever we have obtained seemingly by our strength and by our hard work we want to keep to ourselves we want to hold we want to keep it away from from other people we don't want to open our doors we don't want to spread our tables we we we, we want to keep to ourselves and paul says christian giving is characterized by being voluntary, being a spiritual investment. It is characterized as an act of worship. And fourthly, the fourth characteristics of Christian giving is that it is rewarded by God. It is rewarded by God. Look at verse uh, 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. It is important to understand that when we give, we are not indebting God. We, we are not playing some spiritual lottery. We, it's not like we, we are betting the lottery or or horses, or something like that. This is not Devon July. This is not a glorified Devon July where we're betting on God. What we give already belongs to God. God says in Haggai chapter 2, verse 8, the silver is mine, the gold is mine. And in Psalm 24, verse 1, the psalmist says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the, Lord, the, the world and those who dwell therein. All belongs to God. So we should bear in mind that God does not owe us, but he rewards us out of his grace, not obligation. Paul speaks about, about God's reward here with certainty. He's assured that God rewards generosity. He says, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory. You see, the, the, the word will expresses certainty. It expresses confidence and assurance. He is assured. God will take care of his children. That is the same 
thing that Jesus says in, to, to his disciples in, in Matthew chapter 6, when he calls them not to worry about what they will eat or what they will drink and, and wear. He assures them of the care of God and, and the fact that God will provide for their needs. Listen to what Jesus says. He says in, in verse, Matthew chapter 6, verse 26 to 30, he says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lily of the fields, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Jesus' point is simple here. God will provide for the needs of his children. We don't have to be anxious about it. We don't have to worry about it. God will do it. And that's Paul's point too. But it is also important to notice, to, to note here, that need is determined by God and not determined by us. Because most of the time, we, we, we confuse need with want, right? We think that need is, is the same as want. And, and, and when the Bible says God will provide, um, or, or will provide every need of yours according to his riches and glory. And so when, when our, our, well, the needs that we, we, we think we have are not met, God, why, why don't I have that car? I've, I've been praying for that car. I, I need it. Oh, why don't I have that? You know, we think that God must be meeting those needs. Let me, let me explain this to you. God has not pro- promised his children a life of, of, of luxury in this world. God has not promised you a life of luxury. He's not obligated to give you a life of luxury in this world. Christianity is not a get-rich scheme. Get-rich-quick scheme. It's not that. When you come to Christ and you are promised a bag of money, that is false Christianity. Right? That is false Christianity. God is not promising you a bag of money. So when, when we think about needs, we should think about them in this way. God knows my needs, and whatever I have at this moment is what I need. And what God provides, he provides in knowing your need, right? Let's put it like this. If, if I don't have a car, And I'm trying, by all means, to get a car. At that moment, in God's perspective, I don't really need it. If I get it, God provided it. Amen. A need is determined by God and not by you. Right? So when we think about 
generosity, we should, we should have a biblical perspective whenever we think about it. We should have a, a mind, mind that is shaped by the Bible and not shaped by uh, top billing, right? It, it must not be a mind that is shaped by top billing or by whatever soapy that is um, famous nowadays, right? Uh, uh, it should not be shaped by the world and social media uh, uh, friends who are doing well in life, right? Uh, it should not be shaped by that. It should be shaped by the scriptures. Believers should be characterized by generosity. The, 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 the biggest reason we are to be characterized by generosity is because we have experienced true generosity in the gift of salvation. We were given the greatest gift that could ever be given to anybody. The life, the gift of life through Christ Jesus. John 3 verse 16, our Lord himself declares generosity to Nicodemus saying, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not die but have eternal life. God's generosity expressed fully in the giving of his son to die for the undeserving. To lack generosity as a believer is an indication, listen to this, is an indication that you have not begun to understand the generosity of God in giving his son. Amen. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. We pray that you help us, O oh God. You use it to shape our minds, to change our hearts, to conform your, our will to your will, O oh God. Help us to have a better grasp of your truth and your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.